If you're looking for success in the vacation rental industry, Heather Bayer and the team at cottageblogger.com are here to show you that it's entirely within reach. Welcome to Vacation Rental Success, the show that features interviews with industry experts, successful vacation rental owners, and more, all geared toward helping you make it happen. Here's your host, Heather Bayer. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Vacation Rental Success Podcast. This is your host, Heather Bayer, and as ever, really delighted to be back with you again. Today I'm talking about why you always need a plan B to take the drama out of a crisis. And this has come about because this wasn't intended to be a solo episode. I had been talking with uh, Sue Jones of HR for VR. So that's a human resources company that specializes in finding employees for vacation rental companies. And we had a really great conversation about how you take on your first employee, what would be the job description, where you go and find these great people, how to set up a training plan, etc. Really enjoyed the time I had with Sue. I thought it was a great interview and you'd love it. But then disaster happened and I did not have a plan B. So what happened? So when I record a podcast, I have a set routine. I don't record directly into the editing software just in case there's a glitch because it's happened in the past that it it just hasn't recorded. So what I have instead is a digital recorder and an SD card. So when I finish the interview, so I record everything onto the SD card. When I finish the interview, I simply take the card, download the audio file into Audacity, which is the editing software. And my trusty editor, a.k.a. my husband, Phil, he settles down to interpret my rambles, take out my arms, my R's, all the other filler words that I use, because what you're actually hearing is not really what went on. He takes out all the stuff. He takes out all the, the curse words, too, because although sometimes he says he threatens to leave the occasional word in. And usually it's when I'm doing the introduction or I'm doing a solo episode in particular. And maybe I come to a point and I can't think of what to say next or I've rambled on too long. And then I just go, oh, and the word comes out and he he will remove them. He's very, very good. I The only thing is, I don't actually listen to the edited versions after he's finished them. So I am trusting him implicitly that... He has edited all those things out. Although I'm pretty sure somebody would have told me, wouldn't you, if he hadn't. Somebody going to call me out if um, if I have the occasional word that, that perhaps isn't, isn't becoming of me. You'd let me know, wouldn't you? Yeah. So anyway, this week, we'd, because I'm going to the uh, Vacation Rental Professionals Conference in Sun River, Oregon, and in fact, if you're listening to this on the day of publication then the conference is actually on now. But we had set up so that I could do the interview and he would edit it and I could do the show notes and the accompanying newsletter and everything would be done before I left for Oregon. It was a pretty short window. So going back to this recording with Sue, when I finished it, I put it into the Mac and I opened it up and it's not there. There is no recording. And I... I honestly do not know what happened because 
I've been using this recorder over and over again. When I was talking to Sue, I checked it. It looked like it was working perfectly. So I don't know where it's gone, Sue. Although I'm going to see you at the uh, at the conference and we will discuss it and we'll rearrange the interview for hopefully next week or the week after that. And um, we'll probably do it better, even better the next time. But uh, yeah, don't know where it went. I do not understand why it didn't record. So I should have had a plan B. So a good plan B, if I'd had a plan B, would be to have a solo episode pre-recorded to go out just in case of this type of situation. And after this, I will have one. Uh, I will also try and determine what happened because it's, uh, it's a very odd occurrence. However, in fact, when I do get my act together, I'm going to be pre-recording and editing episodes several weeks in advance. So I won't be having this last minute panic attacks about what could I possibly talk about that I haven't talked about before. So we shall see whether you enjoy this one or not. It's going to be fairly short, but I, I want to talk about why you do always need a plan B in order to take the drama out of a crisis. Now, having said that, I don't normally add in any drama. You know, things happen, you deal with them, you get on, you just move on. That's what I'm doing on this occasion. I also know that I have the most amazing audience out there, you guys, that do cut me a little bit of slack. And you understand that, you know, sometimes things don't always go according to plan. It was interesting, actually, that this week I was on the other side of the interview, speaking with a host of a new podcast show called This Better Work. And the host is Terry Linhart. And Terry and his wife are going to be launching their own short-term rental property in the fall. So we were talking about the general nature of working in this business and making it successful. And besides the fact that Terry has a great voice, really good voice, and the audio quality is going to be so good on his podcast, I was really impressed at his forward planning for his episodes. He contacted me several weeks ago while we were still down south and we arranged that we would have the interview on this date three or four weeks in advance and then it wasn't going to be published for another three or four weeks. So you're not going to hear this one until he launched his podcast in May. And I was so impressed with this forward planning, what I'm now striving for. And then I wouldn't be in such a panic right now, making sure I've got something helpful for you to listen to today. Because if I'd done some forward planning, I would have a few things in the background ready to go. However, okay. so with all this in mind, I just want to talk about the importance of having a backup plan for every part of your business, because things do go wrong. You know, I've talked about emergency planning before on a number of times because I think it's just so super important part of our preparation for the upcoming season. And we've been in business now for 15 years. And it's only in the last sort of four or five years that we've started to document absolutely everything that happens. So you have the experience, whether it's a guest experience or an owner experience, and we have them documented on a CRM, a customer relations management system. And we have an evaluation of how each issue was handled and whether we could have done something different. And we, we always have a debrief after something occurs. And we talk about all the different components that came together to hopefully resolve that situation. But sometimes we think at the end, well, you know, we could have done it in a more streamlined way. 
we could have done it in a more sensitive way, perhaps. And in all events, we could have we could possibly have done it better. So for what we do with that after we've done that evaluation is create a standard operating procedure for going forward. So if that situation ever occurs again, then we can go back to how we handled it the last time and just follow the SOP. That is the plan behind this anyway. And it has it has worked in the past. You know, we, we, we always used to have issues with uh, access to properties because all of our properties have different methods of access. Sometimes, you know, an owner will leave a key on a hook somewhere and that key goes missing or they will have a keyless entry system and the code gets input incorrectly for a guest. And we've learned from every one of those access situations how we should handle them better and certainly handle them better with the owners and the guests. And statistically, we found now that our issues of access problems have reduced so significantly. It used to be that at four o'clock on a Saturday afternoon in the summer, every Saturday afternoon, the phone would start ringing and it would be a guest saying, you know, I'm here at the property. I can't get in. I can't find the key. The code isn't working or the code is working, but nothing's happening. The uh, the lock isn't isn't working. And we realized last year that these calls aren't coming anymore. It really has worked. Everything we put into motion and put into place because we recorded and evaluated each prior situation that this method of handling them has really worked. So that's just our experience of documenting everything, learning from everything. And I just wanted to, I thought it'd be fun actually to talk through some of the situations that we've had in the past. I'll tell you how we handled them. And for for many of them, it may not happen again. In fact, for, for some, I do seriously hope they never happen again. But here goes, you know, we always have, we have these experiences of, and I see, I see them on the Facebook forums all the time. Guests arriving early and guests leaving late. However, we've had situations where guests have arrived to find that the previous guests didn't depart because they thought they'd booked an extra day. This has happened to us on on a couple of occasions. And I remember years ago getting a call from my caretaker who'd gone into one of my cottages to do the changeover. And she called me and she said, look, she said, that your guests have gone out. Looks like they've gone out for the day, but it looks like they have no intention of leaving because absolutely everything, all of their stuff is strewn around the place. Uh, they've made no attempt to pack up anything. There's certainly no intention there of them departing. And that was at 11 o'clock in the morning and we had guests arriving at four o'clock that afternoon. So what do you do? In fact, at that at that time, I mean, this, this this was a situation that occurred around 10 years ago. And cell phones just were not as common as they are now. And we would not have expected our guests to have had one, certainly in our cottage country areas, because at that time, the signal, the signal strength was pretty awful. So we had no way of getting in touch with them. And we did the, the only thing we could possibly do. You know, we, we called the incoming guests. We told them what the situation was. But they were contracted to go in at four o'clock and we weren't going to break that contract. 
whereas the previous, the, the guests who were there were contracted to leave at 11 a.m. that morning and they had not done so. So what our caretaker did, along with, uh, she, she, she was able to get somebody else to come in and help her. And they packed up the guests' belongings and she stored them until the guests returned. And they returned about um, three o'clock in the afternoon. That was before the new guests arrived. And of course, they were horrified to find that all, that, that all their possessions had been packed up and they were they were expected to leave. It was a difficult situation, but we had we had the contract, we had the rental agreement that showed the date of their departure and the time. So they were clearly in the wrong, we were clearly in the right, but what we had to do was work out a way to make these guests not feel so bad. What we actually did, we gave them a couple of options. They could just finish their vacation right at that time and and leave for home and my caretaker and her her friend had done the most amazing job of packing everything it was all very neatly packed and the other the other option was we found them a night in a local resort so they could have gone to this local resort and we decided that we would pay for that because we wanted the goodwill and we also on, we were on very good terms with the resort owner and they had a, a couple of spare nights. So it, it, it worked out really, really well. However, the, these guests decided that they would go home and, you know, very disappointed because they had all sorts of plans for the last night of their vacation, which, of course, had been the previous night, but they didn't think it was the previous night. But on the whole, it all worked out OK because we'd been able to offer them this alternative we had we didn't just say okay you go home what we were able to say was you know we're, we're so sorry this has happened we did have guests coming in they were contracted and they paid for this time so we had to let them go into the property however we have an alternative for you if you want to have your last night you know it means you have to go to a local resort to have it but you can still stay another night and that's on us that worked you know they've come back they came back the following year and they came back a few more times after that. And I have to say, they were always out at dot on 11 o'clock on the day. But what came out of that is that we started to send our guests a note just the day before their departure. And I know that a lot of people do this, um, but this was, you know, we're going back a few years now. So this just went into our standard operating procedure that we contact all guests the day before they leave just to say, we hope you've had a fabulous time and that you've made some great memories. Just to remind you that checkout is tomorrow at 11 a.m. And if you've got any questions about it or if you've got anything you'd like to let us know about the property. And of course, if you'd like to leave us a great review, we'd love that. So, so that was put into place following that particular situation. So, of course, that's, a, that's quite a long time ago. We've, we have had a similar situation happen just a few years ago. And we were able to, in fact, now with cell phones more prevalent, we were able to contact the guests about noon on the day of departure. They had gone out again and gone for the day thinking that they were leaving the following day. And we were able to contact them and they came hot footing back and did their own packing, were very apologetic. That was an interesting one because even with letting guests know the day before that they were due to go out, these guests still stayed the extra night <laughs> or expecting to stay an extra night. 
So on that same theme, we had a year, last year, in fact, guests who arrived actually a week early and they got settled into their property only to find they got the dates of the vacation wrong because the guests who were genuinely due to arrive turned up. So, of course, then we have the situation of one family in a property and they've really made themselves at home in the hour they've been there. It's amazing how much you can spread out. And an hour later arrives the genuine guests, the ones that are meant to be there, to find that this family is firmly entrenched. They have no intention of moving because they are firmly convinced that it's their week. So we've got these two families thinking that we're, we have made a big error and double booked. That was a very quick resolution, actually, because we were able to provide, of course, the rental agreement with the guests that arrived a week early and show them that they were actually booked into that property for the following week. And we had an alternative. We had another property that was vacant. It was around about the same price. We were able to relocate them for the week, for their week. And then, of course, we had the following week, which would be vacant in the property that they thought they'd booked a week early. I hope you're still with me because I get confused on this one. So we had a week vacant, of course, and we were able to relet that. So that one worked itself out. What we learned from that one was, again, in this communication with guests and, and making sure that they get more communication from us in the weeks prior to a vacation with every piece of communication showing the dates of their arrival and the date and time of their departure. So, uh, yeah, you're going to get this if you if you start doing management or, you know, if, if you've got a couple of properties or even with one property at some point, you're going to run into this situation because, you know, it's human nature that we get confused and occasionally a whole family can get confused. So we've had more than our fair share of wildlife issues. Because we live in a part of the country where there is a lot of wildlife. You know, we've got Canada geese, we've got raccoons, we've got mice and bears. And then there's the tiny ones, the mosquitoes and the black fly. So we are always, always ready and prepared with a plan B if we get an issue with some form of wildlife because we figure there's not much that's happened that we haven't yet dealt with. So this example happened around six years ago and we had, I mean, Canada geese are very prevalent in cottage country. They're prevalent in Canada. It's why we have that disgusting thing as our national bird because it poops everywhere and makes huge amounts of noise and is generally unattractive. I don't know why we have it as our national bird, but there you go. So we get a call from a guest to say they've got up in the morning and there is a dead goose on the lawn and they want someone to come and remove the goose. Now, in cottage country, it's it's not so easy to get somebody out to do a maintenance issue in a, a midweek because most of the people, most of our maintenance people actually have day jobs. They're out and about doing other things. And we could not find anyone to remove this dead goose. Now, between you and me, and I'm sure 
most of you are thinking what we thought. You know, we've there's there's some latex gloves and there's a black bag. Could not one of the members of your group just go out and pick this goose up and put it in a black garbage bag and put it out at the end of the driveway and somebody will come along and take it away? And absolutely not. And we were getting anguished calls from the uh, the guest to tell us that their children were completely traumatized by the sight of this dead animal on the lawn and it had to be removed immediately or they would be calling the fire department to do it. Now, this, this just cracked us up. And we, we all live up here in cottage country, and there's always dead stuff on the roads. You know, it's, it, it, it's just the nature of being out here in the country. And sometimes we forget that city folks don't have that same experience. And to them, I guess, yes, it could be traumatic. And we called around a number of people. Eventually, we got hold of another cottage owner nearby. And, and this cottage owner, and we said, we contacted this owner and said, do you have a caretaker? Or do you know somebody who could do this? She said, oh, for goodness sake, she said, my husband will go over and pick it up. And about an, an hour later, she called and she said, okay, he's been by to pick it up. But she said, there wasn't much left of the goose because the raccoons had been at it. So that could probably have been traumatizing if the kids had been looking out of the window and the raccoons were lunching on the remains of this goose. So anyway, what do we learn from that? So we had, I remember sitting down and talking about this and we talked about educating guests about what happens in cottage country and that animals do expire and they, they you know that they're not always neat and tidy and disappear off into you know go behind a bush to to have their last moments and then we decided that yeah that, that would be great we could do that but what we could also do was ensure we have a contact who is contactable or at least several several contacts that we could connect with if something like this happened and called up a few local uh, home management companies, landscapers, maintenance, you know, land maintenance type people and said, you know, if, if something like this occurred again, how could we manage it? And we were able to get these numbers of several people that we could call in the future. So those have gone on our standard operating procedures. We've never had to call anybody out and Actually, I'm not sure it would work if we did. But the guest education side of it was a really good plan. We were able to write a blog post about wildlife in cottage country and what you need to be prepared to see and hear and, and sent that out. And we haven't had an issue similar to that. We did have some guests who, who called us to say that they couldn't go outside because there was a bear in the driveway taking apart the garbage bag that they had left outside, which, of course, we told them, do not put any of your garbage outside because there's bears in the area. We'd given them the prior notice that there were bears in the area and don't put the garbage bags out. And there they were putting their garbage out and then were very surprised to find that a bear came along. We think maybe that they'd put the garbage out deliberately because they wanted to see a bear. And then, of course, once the bear turned up, they wouldn't let the kids out and they're calling us saying, well, can you get animal control to come and take this bear away? And th that that's a tough one. 
that really is tough because animal control will come out and they'll, they'd shoot the bear. And, and that is really sad if we have people that are deliberately luring these bears onto property. Fortunately, there wasn't much left of the garbage and the bear went on its way and we didn't have any issues again. At least we didn't hear from the guests again. So I'm assuming they made their way home and they, they didn't go <laughs> the same route as the garbage did. So uh, wildlife situations are something that, that we encounter. And I'm sure not many of you are going to have that sort of situation. So here's another one that you may not encounter, but we, we, we had a good chuckle of this one. We have a property that has a, call it a Juliet balcony. So out of the bedroom. So you could go out of the doors from the bedroom onto this tiny little balcony where there were a couple of chairs and sit there and watch the stars at night. and Just you know, beautiful little spot. So we have a call from a guest to say that they are so sorry, but they had to break a window because what happened was it was a dark and starry night and... They made their way out of the bedroom onto the balcony to look at the stars and the door shut behind them and it locked and they were naked. So fortunately, I'm so pleased that we they, they didn't have a cell phone with them because I can just imagine how, well, I know I can't imagine how we're going to handle that at say two o'clock in the morning when the phone rings to say, we're stuck out on this balcony, we can't get back in. We don't have a key and there's no way down because there it's a Juliet balcony. There are, there are no stairs from it. So what they did was uh, break a window to get back into the property. Uh, so at least they at least they told us and they happily shared the cost of the window. They took responsibility, some responsibility for the door, the way that they'd they'd let the door close and lock behind them, but also there was there was no key outside, so the owner had significant responsibility on this one as well. So we we do have now a standard operating procedure that we when we take on a new property, when we are looking at different um, areas where guests might go, we always look at you know if could they get locked out, and if so. How could they get back in? But that was that was an interesting one. Then we have, I talked about wild animals. Of course, there's all sorts of situations that occur with domestic animals. And we've had guest dogs biting a neighbor and neighbor's dogs biting guests. Uh, all these situations have been dealt with very, very quickly and in all cases so far, quite amicably. They haven't been nasty bites it's more like a nip and we, on one occasion we we've had to um, to ask guests to take their dog home where it's a neighbor's dog that's slightly different situation and then we have to talk to the owner and have the owner talk to the neighbor and sort out what's going to happen with their dog if it's running free and causing any issues with uh, with the guests that can be a challenging one because in most cottage country areas, there are no boundaries between cottages and owners let their dogs run free. It's always been one of these um, collective agreements between neighbours where the dogs all get on and they 
run freely and go from house to house and get fed and it's a lovely situation. And then along comes a new owner, perhaps, who starts to rent out their property and they don't talk to their neighbors and their guests bring dogs. And then there becomes a situation between the guest dogs and the neighbors, resident dogs. So from that has come the discussion with new owners about talking to your neighbors, about what you're going to be doing, about what the people that you're going to have come and stay, whether they're going to be families, whether they're going to bring pets, how you screen the guests and all those types of things that make for good neighborly relations when you start to rent out. So in fact, it's what started out as as a situation between dogs turned into a really good process for communicating with neighbors and having neighbors understand that the owner is being very responsible about their goals in renting. And one of the things we say to owners is, you know, talk to your neighbors about the fact that you're going to accept pets and find out what they feel about it. And in general, most neighbors are just perfectly happy and they would just say, well, as long as the dogs are friendly, then that's going to be fine. But the moment there is some issue with a neighbor who might be much more concerned about guests having pets, then that's probably a good indication that 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 owner should not be a pet friendly property. So just still on the subject of dogs, we had a situation two years ago where we had a frantic phone call from a guest at checkout time on the Saturday and they would open the door to take to go out and take their luggage out to the car. Their dog got out and went under the deck where there was a skunk and the dog got well and truly skunked. And because it was so freaked out, it came running back indoors. It was all over the furniture, the carpets, everywhere. And it stank. And we had guests going in five hours later. That was that was a tricky one. But it does go to show that you can actually remove a lot of skunk smell in a very short space of time if you're, if, if you're in a panic We were able to get hold of the owner, get hold of the caretaker. A crew went in. They were able to take remedies, and there are remedies for this skunk smell, into the property, cleaned the carpets, did all this within the five hours. And we also got hold of the incoming guests, and we said, this has occurred. We are doing our utmost to resolve the situation so that you are not going to be impacted by this uh, this issue that happened and we gave them the option to cancel or to delay their stay and in fact they said you know if you're if you're going to do as much as you can to get this smell out we'll be there uh, on time we were able to give them a rebate on their rental rate they were very understanding the departing guests shared the cost of the extra cleaning with the owner. One of the reasons was the owner knew there was a skunk living under the deck and she felt responsible about it because she just hadn't thought to to mention it. And that dog had been there all week and there had been no 
connection with the skunk at all. So nobody was any the wiser that there was a skunk living under the deck until, of course, 10 minutes before departure time. So we came up with a standard operating procedure for uh, to, to get rid of skunk smells in a property should should it ever happen again. And mostly you can you can download that stuff uh, online and distribute it out to um, property managers or home managers and caretakers and cleaners so that they have the uh, ingredients to make up the skunk smell reduction solution beforehand so they have it on hand. So it hasn't happened again, but you never know. And it's always good to be prepared. One other dog story that I have, again, this happened a number of years ago, and it's I've never forgotten this because it could have ended so sadly. And again, all these things seem to happen just before people depart. And we had this call from, from a guest to say that their deaf and blind golden retriever had gone missing. And this property was on 10 acres of forest. It was 10 minutes before checkout time. The dog has gone. They can't call it because it can't hear. And they are in complete panic. What had happened was they the, the dog was old. It always just laid outside the door, but obviously just being in the middle of everybody departing, the dog had got up and wandered off and nobody noticed. And here we are 10 minutes before checkout time and everybody is in a complete panic. So we once again connected with the owner, connected with the incoming guests to let them know what had happened. And the owner was amazing. The owner put together a search team of local neighbors and and they went out and actually found the dog within about 40 minutes. And the dog had found himself by a stream and he was lying down in the sunshine and fast asleep. And of course, had no idea that he'd caused all this panic. So really, that sort of situation is one that is sort of unprecedented and probably won't happen again. But we do now tell our guests to really take care when they're packing up the vehicles and not to leave their dogs unattended. And and we tell them this story. You know, particularly if you've got an old dog who might be hard of hearing and not be able to see too well, just make sure that dog is secure while you're getting everything ready for departure. So I have a huge fund of these stories. If you can imagine, 15 years managing this business. I mean, certainly the last four or five years, 2,000 plus rentals every year. Of course, we're going to amass some stories. But because of we record and document every single issue that occurs, and then we evaluate how we handle it, we now have not only a huge store of these stories and issues, but we also have a huge store of solutions and judgments on how these solutions have worked. And it does make it very easy for our staff when something happens uh, at a property over the course of a guest stay, and they immediately can go into our customer relations management system and, and see if something has occurred similarly in the past. And you know, it's amazing how much we can remember. And, you know, we can usually remember the names of the guests and the names of the owners and 
it's very easy to find them. So the reason I wanted to talk about this was because of the importance of having a plan B or a backup plan or a ready solution for something that occurs. Now, in past episodes, when I've talked about emergency planning, I've suggested that you sit down and brainstorm everything that could possibly go wrong. Write down this long list of things, and it doesn't matter how bizarre you get. Just write them down and then go through each one and say, okay, realistically, if this was to occur, what would we do? Who would be the first one to be contacted? Is there a maintenance person who would deal with it? Would we deal with it? Would our management company deal with it? But just think about every single thing that could possibly go wrong and create a standard operating procedure for it. And it might seem like this is a tedious thing to do, but in fact, it's fun. You could do it with the whole family. You can sit there with a big um, with, with a flip chart or a big piece of paper and just write down all this stuff or, or get them to write it down on post-it notes. And then you can put all the post-it notes on the wall and then begin to sort them out, you know, as to what's most realistic that might happen or, and what is completely bizarre and off the wall. And maybe you put that last and start to create some SOPs, standard operating procedures for the most important ones to start with and document them, do them on a Google Doc so that you can continue to add to them and then index them so it's easy to find if something like that should go wrong. So I'm going to stop now and and I know Phil's going to get to this and start the editing and tell me I was rambling and probably take out most of it. So what you're hearing, you're not hearing everything that I've said. You're just hearing the stuff that he's allowed me to keep in. But I hope this has been interesting. It's an interesting filler for the episode that I did with Sue that I'm going to have to redo, you know, go back to the drawing board on that. I'm I'm hoping she's she's going to be happy to re-record that because it was such a great discussion and we're just going to make it even better. So thank you for listening to this one. So hopefully you found this useful. It was an episode that I put together at the last minute and when I started thinking about what I wanted to talk about, it just seemed to flow quite naturally. So I hope it has been useful for you. If you've got any stories about bizarre things or perhaps not so bizarre things that have happened and your solutions for them, I would really love to hear them. So please let me know. Send me an email at heather at vacationrentalformula.com and I would like to compile some of these stories with their solutions and, and come back and do another episode in the future. Maybe I'll use it as that sort of plan B episode. So thanks again for listening. It's been a pleasure to be with you. And I will be with you again next week with some new interviews. This episode of Vacation Rental Success is over, but don't worry, Heather will be back soon. Want more great resources? Visit cottageblogger.com for tips, tricks, downloads, and strategies to help you achieve profit from your vacation rental business.